and uh, it's good to see you all this morning and I just want to mention one or two things. You, like me and like most of the country, have been affected by the death of Queen Elizabeth. And when we heard about it, personally, and I know other people felt like this, that we felt a personal loss. It was strange, really. It's not what you expect. When you hear the death of any states person, any famous person, you don't really feel that connection. But I did. And the evidence of what's happening now is that a lot of people felt that as well. And I want us this morning just to, for a few moments, reflect quietly on Queen Elizabeth. We... I go back, I'm one of those people who go back to being a child and remember sitting in our house, we were the only people on the street with a television. It was a, 19, a nine inch black and white television and the house was packed. All the kids sitting on the floor and all the neighbours coming in with a cushion or a chair to sit on with the door open and we watched the coronation and there was a great street party. So the Queen has been a part of our lives and I think that's the strength of the connection but it's not just that, it's who she is, it's her integrity, it's the way she ruled this country. She as the head of, as, as the, the, head of the church, she with her faith that she expressed on the occasions that she could and particularly on the speeches that she made at Christmas time. And it's very evident that these things that she said were from her heart and they were a reality of her faith. God works in strange ways. During the Jubilee, um, we were able to give out a lot of books to the children, the baby and toddlers, to the parents. There was an awful lot in the media and in those books and those things that we celebrated in the Queen's Jubilee were the things that spoke about her faith. The things that she said were quoted, were written down. And those books have gone into the homes of many people. And now, this, the death of the Queen, will encourage them to pick those books up. Not only pick them up, but to keep them as a memento for the children to read them, for the parents to read them, and for them to hear about the faith of Queen Elizabeth. We face unknown times now. We not only have a new king, we, or we have a king now, um, and we have a new prime minister as well. And these are things for us to reflect on. But also, we also reflect on the fact that no matter who you are, no matter how rich, how famous, how powerful, we are all subject to death. Death is a reality. And we need to think about that. But we, we know Christ is our saviour. We have a king who is the king of kings. Listen to what Paul said to Timothy. And I'll just read these few verses as we think about these things together. This is in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is what Paul said. I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honour and might forever. Amen. Let's just pray together. Our Father, we do come before you now and we do, as a nation, have heavy hearts of the loss of Queen Elizabeth. But we thank you for her, for her personality, for who she was, for her virtue, for the way she ruled over this country. But we thank you more for the faith that she had. And we pray that that faith that she had will be evident. Our Father, we pray for the occasion tomorrow for the funeral. And we bring the whole nation before you and ask that through this they might see something of you that will lead them to want to know you. The reality of death looms over the country. But our Father, we thank you that we have the one who can give eternal life, the one who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We do pray for King Charles. And we ask that the influence, not just of his mother, but the influence that you can have through the power of your Holy Spirit will open his heart. We pray for the royal family as they grieve the loss. We pray that they will remember the things that Elizabeth has said, not just publicly, but to them. They know that the prayer times that she had, they know that she read her Bible, and they know that they heard her say how important you are to her life. Father, we pray for our leaders, our Prime Minister, our ministers, and for all who have authority over us. But we thank you that we want we have one who has final authority, the one who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we thank you that we gather this morning in his precious name. And our Father, we ask that you open our hearts to the things of God, as we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to hand back to Matthew. And he's going to lead us through our service. <clears throat> Let's start by singing our first hymn, number 126, Facing a Task Unfinished. 126. <laughs>
Shall we pray? Father, as we have just heard and suffered, when we consider the needs in the world, we realise that we are facing a task that has so much yet to do and seems so much so far beyond us. Lord, we specifically think of the gospel need. We think of those who do not know you, do not know your love, do not know the forgiveness that is found in Christ. Lord, we pray that you would make us effective in seeking to bring the gospel to people around us. Lord, we pray that you would help us because we know that in our own strength we are unable to do it. But Lord, we ask that with your boldness and with your spirit working in the hearts of people around us, that we would be quick to share the gospel, to present the truth of who you are to people. And Lord, we do pray as well that we would work towards solving the other problems in our society as well, which you've given us gifts to be able to influence in some ways. Please show us how we can serve you in every area of our lives. Lord, we thank you this morning that again we meet to sing your praise and to read your word. We pray that you would meet with us, that you would draw us close to yourself. And Lord, we do pray for the things that have just been mentioned. And we pray for the various uh, ministries and churches who are in positions to be able to, at this time in particular, reach out. Lord, we thank you for the work of the Gideons. We thank you that as they uh, give Bibles to schools and to different places for the support that they've had in the past. And Lord, we pray that that would continue. Lord, we think of All Souls Church in London who are distributing tracts to people in the queue for uh, the, 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 that runs through London at the moment. Lord, we just pray that as people are waiting, they would read those leaflets, that they would have opportunities to discuss. And Lord, we pray that your spirit would be active in that queue. Lord, we pray that people who join it morning would leave it rejoicing because they've come to know the salvation and found in you through literature that they've read. Lord, we ask all of these things in your name and for your glory. Amen. Well, the notices for the rest of the day and the coming week are as follows. There will be tea and coffee after this service. And then on Wednesday, we will have our Bible study. Uh, this will uh, be available online about half past five. I think we probably will move back to in-person soon. We need to uh, we will do that. But for, for this week, certainly, uh, it will be online at half five, distributed by the WhatsApp and then on Zoom at 7 o'clock for anyone who's able and uh, willing to join. On Friday at 10am is the baby and toddler group. Um, and then the CBC club will be uh, at 6.45pm. And it was a strong start back for both of those this week. Um, baby and toddler group, I think it was 20, was that? Is that right? Well, uh, there was a number, there was a good number. Uh, and then the evening, we, we've had lower numbers for the Friday club over the last session. Um, and we had two on Friday, which was about typical for what we were getting. And we thought at one point we weren't going to get any, or we might get one. So we did really well. Uh, to, sorry, no, that's not true. We only got one, didn't we? I, I, I'm counting Luke, who's 25. Uh, that was a mistake. Um, I don't know if he's 25. He might be older than that or younger. Luke, if you're listening, apologies. Um, on Sunday, we'll be here at 11am and Steve Barlow will be the speaker. And then, excitingly, after that, we're not having... Well, we might have time for tea and coffee. But after, after tea and coffee, we're going to have lunch in the park with Bethel. So that'll be really good. So do bring a packed lunch with you, because um, I don't think we'll be able to provide a lunch for everyone. Uh, but bring a packed lunch 
And uh, if you bring a little bit more, just in case anyone turns up on the day and they've not brought it, if all of us bring an extra sandwich, then we'll be able to cater for that one. So uh, that'll be really good. So looking forward to that. Oh yeah, bring your own chair. If you want to bring a chair, bring a chair. Um, like, not your sofa, that might be hard work. But if you've got, you know, one of those folding camping chairs or, or something like that, that'd be great. And I suppose, yeah, do that. If, if, if we really need to, we might be able to throw a few of these in the car and take them away. But, but bring a camping chair would be better. The park, it'll be Croxton Park. So, but I think we'll all probably go together, won't we? We've all learned exactly in the park. Yeah. Where it is. Yeah, because it is a big park. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course, yeah. There'll be transport, yeah, transport yeah. will be available. That's, yeah, that's a good point. And if, if the weather is not fit for it, I think it will be reasonably crap if you have lunch, in which case you won't have to take your seat. <laughs> I don't know, the, the battle seats aren't as comfortable as some of those camping chairs. Have you got a camping chair with a cup holder? Yeah. Do you know what? Maybe we should just do that for church. Bring your own seat. That'd be great. You have a recliner. Love it. Um, I was thinking before, by the way, if this was a wedding, I'd be very worried about the wife's social life because she's clearly not got as many friends as the husband. Uh, everyone has picked room size today for, for the benefit of the tape. There's like 25 people there. There's not that many. I don't know how many of them. There's a, there's a lot of people on the left, maybe a dozen, and then there's two on the right. The same so, side is very. Yeah, they the, believe the, 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 Anyway. Let's have some choruses. So, Renea, should we sing some choruses? Are you going to give us a hand? Is that okay? Yeah, let's do some. Should we do He Made the Stars to Shine?
any, anything you like, Jackie, whatever, whatever you like, no problem. Flintstone, brilliant. Let's go. Oh, you remember that one? Yeah, we used to do that. Yeah, yeah. You okay with that? You okay? Still in C, you okay with that? Thanks to everyone who played and thanks to Jackie for holding the words. Right, we are going to read from Colossians and we're going to read from chapter 3, verses 18 to 25. So if you've got a church Bible, you'll find this on page 833, page 833. Colossians, one of those uh, smaller books in the New Testament that can be hard to find. Uh, and we're going to read Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 to 25. Colossians chapter 3, beginning to read at verse 18. Wives, submit to your husband as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, Obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Jesus Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favouritism. Well, we're going to have a look at that uh, now, but before we do, um, let's just uh, pray for my dad as he brings this to us, and then he's going to explain the passage to us. Father, I thank you for my dad, I thank you for the preparation work that he's done in studying this uh, passage, and Lord, we pray now that as he comes and speaks what he's prepared, we would find that it's actually you who has been speaking all along. And Lord, we pray that by your spirit, you'd speak through him to us, that we would hear from your word what it is you would say to us this morning, that we would be encouraged, that we would be challenged. And Lord, we would leave here with a greater desire to serve you and live for your glory. Amen.
Well, as you know, we've been going through uh, Paul's letter to the church at Colossae, and um, last time we gathered around it, we looked at this chapter 3 from verse 1 through to verse 17, and that was under the heading of doctrine in action. And remember we said that doctrine, don't be afraid of that word, it just means putting into practice what we believe, that's what doctrine is. Well, how do we do that? How do we put into practice the things that we believe? Well, just a bit of a recap. In that chapter 3, um, verse 1 through to 2, Paul said, set your hearts and minds on Christ. If you have your Bibles open, you can see that. Then if you come down to verse 10, Paul said, put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. And in verse 12 he said, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. You see, he's speaking to a church. This letter would have been read out in the church of Colossae. It also would have been sent on to other churches in the area. That's what happened with Paul's letters. Other churches would read them as well. And then, um, in verse 14, he said, over all these virtues, not just these virtues, we spoke about Queen Elizabeth, and one of the things she had was that she had virtues. She was a virtuous, virtuous person. Hold over all these things, all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together, altogether in perfect unity. And then in verse 17, finally in that passage that we looked at last time, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. See, the one who is central in all these things that Paul is saying. And these are not just words. These are things that require dedication. They don't just happen. You need to have that dedication. They're things that we need to put on, make part of us. We need to clothe ourselves in them. And then we need to put them into use. See? They have a purpose. They're not just words. They require us to act. And they ultimately have a purpose. You know, Jürgen Klopp, the uh, manager of Liverpool, like all the football managers, he will have had his team working out in the gym. He'll have them running around the training pitch. Maybe some of them saying, why are you doing this? Well, he'd have them running around that training pitch. Then he'd get them in the dressing room and he'd give them a talk. Some of them might be thinking, oh, there he goes again, what's he all about? But he'd be giving them a talk. And this is the preparation for who they are and for what they will be. You see, on the match day, he'll tell them, go out there. Go out there and put the things into action that you know and show them who you are. And for them, 
that footballers. All that that went before was important. It was all preparation. And they needed him. But just not to have him, they had to go and put it into action. And they would do it over or around, was it, 30,000 people. Get out there and show them who you are. As Christians, we are to put what we know and what we believe and it's so we put it on and then we take it out with us and we put it into action wherever we are. It might be the workplace, it might be school, it might be college, it might be the supermarket, it might be in the home. Which brings us this morning to the passage that we read, Colossians 3, 18 to 25. And I've titled this Doctrine in the Family. Big word again. It's an important word. Practicing what you believe. Putting into action our love, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, all done in the name of Jesus. And before we look at these verses together, let's just take with us as we go a, a, a basic truth. A basic truth from the book of Genesis, way back in Genesis chapter 1, it's verse 27. This is a truth. We need to grab hold of this and keep hold of it. So God created mankind in his own image. Get that? Mankind is created in God's image. Then the passage goes on. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You know, it covers the whole of humanity. God's creation. He created all those crowds in London. God's creation. The green. It's God's creation. We need to grab a hold of that because that's what we believe. And Paul is talking about people who are equally created in God's image. Get a hold of that. Let me just read those verses again that Matthew read to us. I'm going to look at them in a few moments. But as we read them, I want you to sort of make them yours. You know, whatever situation you are in, think about them. Think about people you know, where you live, what you do. And just think about these few verses, these few words. Wives, submit yourselves to your husband as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eyes are on you and to curry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs. 
traditional favoritism. Well, let's think about those verses in these few moments. First of all, in the home, verse 18 and 19. And Paul, in his few words, is referring to husband and wife, and he's referring to them as individuals. That's important. They are individual people, individuals who are united with a joint responsibility to themselves and to each other. Wives, submit yourself to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. You know, as we look at these verses, these verses will probably come under a lot of criticism. It might seem strange to a lot of people. We live in a culture that puts so much stress on the rights of individuals. And while it's a good thing to do that, and it's good to promote that, but when it's not dealt with properly, defending the rights of one individual might have the result in removing the rights of another. Now remember, we're thinking about in the home. What does Paul mean when he says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands? This statement of itself brings to mind in the days in which we live, mandatory, unwanted subservience to someone who is above them. No, yeah. But sometimes female oppression has and is been for a long time part of many cultures, including our own. And very often, when it's played out in the home, sadly, at times, it results in humiliation, which can often lead to violence. We know that can happen. We know that is a reality. This is when these things that Paul is saying are not put into the right place. And rather than limit the rights of the individual, these words from Paul add value to the individual rights of a person resulting in stable relationship. Do you see that? Just in these few words. We have here both sides of the same coin. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Okay, here's a question. What is the glue What's the glue that brings this relationship about? Here it is. Paul tells us. The glue is this. As is fitting in the Lord. Get that. This is the glue that makes this work. Take the glue away. And it can fall apart. As is fitting in the Lord. Paul applies this phrase equally to both people. When I played football <laughs> a long, long time ago, I played in a league that was called the uh, Sunday School Union League. Now, that's not little kids running around. That's an adult league. That's a hard league. In that league were some Christians who had been professional footballers, and I tell you what, they would make you look like a fool. It was a hard league to play in. But we had to play under the FA rules, the Football Association rules. We had to play under those rules. 
And within those rules, all players have equal status. That's the FA. In fact, the, the, the crying out for that now, equality on the pitch, you know, that's a, a theme of the moment. And all the players are equal, equal status. Well, here's the thing, only the goalkeeper can handle the ball. Ah, we still got equal status with the players. The only time an outfield player can handle the ball is if it's off the pitch or if he's taken on the pitch. They're all equal. But some have different roles. But it's not inequality. <coughs> they are the rules of the game. And another thing, you needed to have a referee. Now, if the 22 lads turn up and there's no referee, you weren't supposed to have the game. Sometimes we did. But we weren't supposed to. In fact, Frank Matthews, who we know from the past, he was a referee in that league. And also, uh, Stella's brother George, he was a qualified referee as well for that league. You see, without these guidelines, the whole thing would be chaotic. And sometimes if we did start a match without a referee, it was chaotic. It didn't really work. You know, fists were even in the Sunday school. Tempers <laughs> would be straight, and I can tell you some stories about that, but I won't. The point is, those things needed to be there for it to work. And if they weren't there, very often it just lapsed into chaos. Back to Paul's phrase, as is fitting in the Lord. The guidelines are set by the Lord. And we see this as we consider Jesus. And I want us to do that this morning. I want us to look at these things. Look at them in the light of who Jesus is. Because that's what makes them work. Here's the first one. You need selflessness. Right. Philippians 2 verse 6. Let's turn to Jesus. Who being in the very nature of God didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. That's a powerful verse. By nature, you know, we are, let's be honest, me people. Do you know what I mean by that? It's me, me, me. It's all for me. We get like that at times, don't we? And we're naturally me people. We're the most important person. It's me, it's me, it's me. And Paul is saying in verse 10, Put on the new self, that old self, that me person, shouldn't be there. Put on the new self, which is being renewed. So it's an ongoing thing, in knowledge, in the image of its creator. Do you get that? It's, it's, it's hard work sometimes. But that's what we are to do. This is what Paul is saying. The reason it is hard work is why Paul has to say it. Because if it wasn't hard work, then Paul wouldn't have to say it. But he does. And this is something we need to work at. Just like the footballers. In the gym. On the training pitch. In the dressing room. As the manager speaks to them. 
selflessness. There's another one. Humility. Philippians 2, verse 7 and 8. Again, we turn to Jesus. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. This is it. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And in verse 12, Paul said, As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, gentleness, patience, humility. We need these things. Your personal pride is, and the Bible says a lot about pride. It is a potential enemy of unity. The me, me, me syndrome. Having an attitude that I'm right. And I know I'm right, and because I'm right, you're wrong. We've all been there, haven't we? We've all done that. We've all had that done to us. Destroys unity. You could see the Western singer Mac Davis. He wrote a tongue-in-cheek song that starts with these words. Now it is tongue-in-cheek. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror because I look better every day. <laughs> see, that's tongue-in-cheek about humility. But we know that we're not perfect. And we don't go and look in the mirror to find this perfection. We look at the one who is perfect. The one who humbled himself, who became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Remember the words of Paul. We are to live how, as is fitting in the Lord. What is the result of this selfishness, this selfish selflessness, this humility? Philippians 2, verse 9 and 11. Again, we're thinking about Jesus and who he is. This is where we take our example. Philippians 2, 9 to 11. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, there's a result and all these things are purposeful because they lead to that result. That's why Paul said, and then over all these virtues put on love. This is it. That binds them all together in perfect unity. Let's move very quickly to verse 20 and 21 in the whole. Again, Paul in his few words reverse to those he's talking about as individuals, individuals who are united 
joint responsibility, responsibility to themselves, responsibility to each other. And he says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. What do we have here? Okay, two sides of the same coin. Children, obey your parents in everything. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. There's glue here. There's glue holding this together, and without the glue, it doesn't always work. And the glue is this, that when it happens, as Paul is saying it should happen, for this pleases the Lord. This pleases the Lord. I'm going to just read you a few verses from Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 4. It's good to read the whole proverb. It runs through from verse 1 through to 27. But I just want to read these things as you listen to the psalmist speaking as a father to his children and he personifies wisdom. Now you'll see him, you'll hear him do that. He personifies wisdom and there's a reason for that. And this is what he says. I'll just read you verse 1 through to 9. Listen, my sons, to a father's instructions. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me, and he said to me, Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands, and you will live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Cherish her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will give you a garland of grace for your head and present you with a glorious crown. See the sense in there, the Father? He's saying, look, I was like you one day. You know, I was a lad, and my dad spoke to me. So now I'm speaking to you. But why speaking about wisdom? Well, one of the verses in Psalm 111, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and all who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belong eternal praise. Do you get that? Knowing the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Hebrews 11, 6. And without faith, it's not about pleasing God, aren't we? That's what Paul's saying. These things please God. Well, Hebrews uh, 11, verse 6. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Why? Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's what Jesus said. Seek the Lord. Seek and you will find. For this pleases the Lord. And as we draw towards the end, very quickly, verse 22 to 25, it's in the workplace. Slaves obey your earthly masters in everything and do it, not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, Work at it. <coughs> Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. 
Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs and there is no favouritism. Notice who it is who is at the centre of these verses. Sincerity of heart, reverence for the Lord, as working for the Lord. It is the Lord Christ you serve. Only two people there, you and the Lord, me and the Lord. Not just a warning, anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs and there is no favouritism. Paul is not condoning slavery. Get that clear. A good Christian man who brought about the abolition of slavery. Slavery still goes on today. Paul is not condoning slavery. He's speaking to believers who are having to live in the culture of their day. He's telling them how to do it. They're not to compromise their faith, but they are to live faithfully. They do that with a sincere heart as they serve the Lord. As the Lord has served them. In our day, we can bring this into employer-employee situation. In the classroom, the office, the factory floor, no matter how hard it gets, no matter how hard things are, as a believer, Paul says, we will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. I believe that Paul, who was well aware of the fact that some of his readers would have Slaves, all these listeners to his letter would have slaves in, the, in their homes, and I'm sure that these words in verse 25 are directed at them. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. You know, Paul continues on into verse 4 of this passage in Colossians Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. So there's the one who's being warned in those words that we read before. In fact, this is letter to the church at Ephesus. It deals with the same thing. He speaks about fathers and sons, mothers, children, slaves, masters. And in that passage, he says in chapter six, verse nine, and masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. <clears throat> Just to finish, as we looked at these words of Paul, this is how we as believers should practice what we believe as we live our lives. And if we leave out the importance of Christ, being in the center, then it can lead to chaos. <clears throat> Just going to read Psalm 133, the whole psalm. It's the smallest psalm in the Bible, I think. It speaks about unity. We've been talking about pleasing God and we want to please God. <clears throat> How good and pleasant it is. When God's people live together in unity, it is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard. 
down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon are falling on Mount Zion, and there the Lord bestows his blessing, even light forevermore. May that be like the clothes that Paul tells us to put on, that we might be like Christ as we live what we believe. <coughs> We're going to sing our closing hymn, 229, Here I Am, Holy and Able, 229, let's sing together.
prepared, Lord, we pray that we would clothe ourselves in your righteousness. We pray that we would live lives which honour and glorify you. And Lord, we pray that we would be people who are wholly available to you to do your purposes, both as we seek to proclaim the gospel and also as we seek to live lives which honour you in our families, in our workplaces, everywhere where we go. May we be those who are serving you for your glory. Amen.